0: You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production.
1: This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at ComeAsYouAre.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, my sexy disabled lovers. It's almost Valentine's Day and my friends, AdamandEve.com want me to let you know that they have some really cool Valentine's Day offers for you. And so I want to let you know all about it right now. Get comfy, cozy, and crippled. Open your box of chocolates and let me tell you all about it. Free stuff is the best stuff. But free stuff that will ignite your sexy disabled Valentine's Day is even better. Check this out. When you go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item, you'll get it at 50% off. That's amazing by itself, but it gets even more amazing because they load on the free stuff. When you enter my exclusive code only for Disability After Dark listeners at checkout, which is Dark pod that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, not only do you get the one item at 50% off, you'll also get 10 free gifts for your Valentine's Day pleasure. And let me tell you all about them. First, you'll get 6 free movies that you can download For your viewing pleasure, you can watch them with a sexy partner on Valentine's Day, or you can eat that box of chocolates and watch them by yourself if you want to, but six free movies. That's amazing. I love free movies. That's great. Go ahead and get that. You will also get a free mystery pack that includes an item for penis havers and an item for vulva havers, and it's something I know you'll definitely enjoy. Plus, With all this, you get free shipping, and that's pretty awesome for Valentine's Day. Who doesn't want a free Valentine's Day gift? That's pretty cool, right? So again, if you want to get all this free Valentine's Day stuff, make sure at checkout you use the code DARKPOD. So you go to adamandeve.com, and you use the the code DARKPOD. Again, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you will get all of those things. One item for 50% off the movies, the mystery pack, all that stuff for Valentine's Day, which you can use with a partner or yourself on Valentine's Day. Get that stuff now. D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. Darkpod at checkout at adamandeve.com. Take advantage of it, listeners, right now. Happy Valentine's Day! Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. You're listening to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with your host, disability awareness consultant, Drew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm your host, the delectable Drew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and get this show started, everybody. First thing is first, I gotta give a shout-out to the friends that keep a bright light shining on disability stories via the Patreon and pledge their hard-earned dollars to do that so to do that this week I want to give a shout out to my friend Paige Olson who pledged $10 a year so a dollar a month for a year awesome thank you Paige I will say that your pun is I want to turn all your pages Paige thank you so much for your pledge if you want to support the show Via Patreon, you can pledge as little as $1 a month, $5 a month, or as much as you can per year to keep the show going. And this means you'll get a weird, awkward shout-out from me, like I just did there. And you'll get the show one day early via the Patreon feed. So, pledge at patreon.com disabilityafterdark if you can. If you can't pledge, you can also leave a review. And that's totally awesome too. So that I would love a review. Let me know what the show means to you. All that stuff. Cool, cool. Also, I decided that since we're going into what is literally the first full year of the pandemic, I decided to bring back Quarantine and Chill episodes. We haven't done those in a while. I want to bring them back. I want to hear about how your first year of quarantine was and how you dealt with it as a disabled person, and what are some of the things that you still worry about during this pandemic, because we don't hear enough about disabled people during this pandemic. So, I brought it back, but I've changed the name a little bit. The name of the new episodes will be Palsy and the Pandemic, because you know I like me some good alliteration. So you can sign up at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com using the subject line, Palsy and the Pandemic. And let me know how the pandemic has affected your disability and all of the things. And I'd love to sit down and have a chat with you. These will be separate episodes to the main Saturday episodes. And I'd love to have you on. So email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. And we'd love to have you on for a Palsy in the Pandemic episode, friends. But now, on to the show. If you're a long-time listener of the program, you know that I love sitting down with non-disabled people on the show, talking to them about disability and bringing up questions about disability, and also giving non-disabled people some space on the show to really ask me questions and to really talk openly and candidly about disability and explore some of their own ableism and some of their own feelings around disability that maybe they haven't had a place To talk about that. I think it's really important to talk with non-disabled people about disability and let them learn about it and ask questions and have a safe space in which to do that. And that's sort of what we did on this episode today. I sit down with my friend Brian Saldudo of the Gay Life Coach podcast. He's also a child actor. He was in School of Rock and we sit down and talk about mindfulness and disability. So I let Brian ask me a bunch of questions about disability that he wanted some answers to. We explore how mindfulness and disability can be connected and how sometimes, for me as a disabled person, it's hard to, um, to be mindful as a disabled person and how I, I have tried to be more mindful as a disabled person teaching other people about disability. We talk a little bit about that, we talk about Some of the ways that he doesn't want to look at disabled people because he doesn't want them to feel ashamed and some of the ways that he feels gratitude for not being disabled and some of the shame he carries around that. There's a lot we do in in this episode. We talk about, we say mindfulness like 85,000 times, but it was a really fun episode. I loved sitting down with him and just letting him explore disability with me there and letting us have a conversation. I think these conversations with non-disabled people are really valuable and really necessary to get them to learn a little bit more about the disability experience and I love doing them. So if you're able-bodied and you're listening and you think this show is not for you that's not true. I want you to come on the show and talk to me about stuff. So if you're non-disabled pop me an email Tell me what you want to come on and learn about, and we'll have a chat. I think these conversations are highly valuable, and I loved sitting down with Brian Faldudo, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Right now, on Disability After Dark. Brian Faldudo, hello. Hello. I told told you I couldn't do it. You did great. (laughs) Faldudo. Faldudo.
0: Faldudo.
1: Um, So nice to sit down with you and so nice to be here with you today. Um, Likewise. I found out about you and your wonderful podcast from our friends on the Gage podcast. I I saw that they interviewed you and being the fame whore that I was. I was like, well, I want to be on a show like that. So I immediately reached out and was like, so I should be on your show. So I recently was on your show, which is coming out soon. Um and I was like, let's return the favor and have you back. So here we are.
0: Um yeah. yeah, I was so grateful to have you on mine. It was definitely a discussion that I was excited about. And yeah, I'm excited and nervous to be here. And I this why well, this is I I've I'm excited to explore topics with you that might uh approach on uncomfortable, but with comfort because I know that we are. We see eye to eye.
1: Yeah, comfortability all the way. So can you let the people know who you are? Who is Brian Faldudo?
0: (laughs) Brian Faldudo is, uh, I'm a singer-songwriter. I have some music out. I am a life coach, uh, the gay life coach on Instagram. uh, If people want to go follow. Yeah, um, those are kind of my two lanes at the moment. I'm probably best known for my child actor days. I was in the movie School of Rock. Um, And I played Billy. Um, And yeah, these days I'm just using my music and my coaching to kind of get across messages of authenticity and mindfulness amongst the queer community because I feel like sometimes those topics are not as relevant amongst the queer community as they should be. Um, And that's kind of my mission statement, I suppose, loosely put.
1: I mean, the queer community is much much I think I, I think I agree with you the pre-community is really way too preoccupied with like body image and looks and sex and drugs and all like all these things that we should step back from for a minute and look like other parts of ourselves. And I think the mindfulness journey you're on is kind of cool because as someone who's disabled and who has a lot of time hmm. by myself and, and not really being able to access those communities, as readily as I'd like to because ableism is real um you know I I too spend a lot of time thinking about mindfulness and thinking about like connection to other people and way more than I think the average queer person does so that's I mean that's part of where we see eye to eye so that's that's why I also enjoy talking to you
0: yeah I think alone time is a really key factor in understanding Mindfulness. And I think alone time is also really scary for a lot of people in the community. That all said, you know, I like to say off the get go, um, and I'm sure you can attest to this um, these are things I'm passionate about. They are in no way things I have perfected. I am still a human with flaws. Oh, yeah. And and, um, I don't ever want it to seem like I'm preaching from a high horse. I just had therapy a couple hours before this, and I had plenty of things I had to sort through myself. So Um, I just like to put that on the table because um, I think that people, uh, one thing with life coaching that's a common misconception is that like I have answers. I actually have zero answers. Life coaching is actually a craft um, and I'm just, I'm good at guiding people to their own answers, to their own truths. Um, And it's it's, it's more just about the craft of it all rather than me actually knowing anything more about you than you would know about yourself, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. And I see the same thing about like, my disability consulting work. I, I build myself as a disability awareness consultant, but I am not any more aware than the average disabled person. Like, I don't know. I don't have any answers there, And I don't claim to. Mm-hmm. I'm in no way an expert. I just want to share my story and hope yeah. that it resonates. Um, on that note, I want to jump into the first question with you, Brian Feldudo. Um, <laughs> see, I'm getting better as I do it. Uh, <laughs> I want to just jump into the first question I have for you. Are you somebody who experiences disability and if yes what what are your disabilities?
0: I do not think that I am someone who experiences disability um and I say that with caution because I don't think that I'm aware of all of the disabilities that would be classified as a disability but from what I know of disability I don't think that I type into that category at all. Okay
1: okay that's cool um Trying to think of if there was anything from that that I wanted to like draw on for a minute. So so in terms of like disability, mm-hmm. do you have anybody in your life with disabilities? Do, like what is your experience with disability then as somebody without it? Do you know anybody in your life? Do you have any friends, family that has disability, anything, anything like that?
0: Well, I have you, you're in my life. And then I have- um, Oh, I have... how nice. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have some- Family members. Um, my uncle um, has cerebral palsy. I'm not very close with him, but I do know. And then I, I throughout my life, I've of course had, you know, not very intricate relationships with people who have physical disabilities. Um, but I have had them. And then uh, there's also mental disability, correct? So um, yes, I work. I work with people. Um, who have mental disabilities through some of the crisis work that I do. Um, yeah. So, but I, again, it's it's less of a personal thing, more of a work thing.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, just so you know, cerebral palsy is the best of the palsy. So, okay, great. just be aware that it's the best one. Um, because you haven't had a lot of experience, then I want to give you the chance to ask a bunch of questions about disability. And I want to, I want to, Kind of open the floor to let you ask whatever burning questions around disability you might have that you are curious about, or any like thing to help you on your journey of understanding disability a little bit better.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Do you do that often with guests? Um, um
1: I've done it with a few. I okay. usually on the show I like to talk with like everyone. Like the show is for everyone, but typically if I'm talking to a disabled person, like will speak more about their experience. right? And if I invite a non-disabled person on the show, it's typically for the reason of letting them like ask me a bunch of questions because I think it's important for, for the non-disabled community to have a safe space to come and ask questions that they've been maybe told in previous experiences that it's not appropriate to ask that. And it's not that you can't say these things. And I wanna give particularly the gay queer community a space to, because there's so much ableism that's rampant in that community, I want the, you know, members of the queer community to feel like they can ask questions and learn about disability, because there is so much intersection between disability and queerness that I think that the community needs a space to learn about it.
0: Yeah, which is pretty much why I said I would like to do this, because one thing that became evident to me when you were on my podcast is that uh, it's just the, the damages that can come with ableism if there's not awareness surrounding it. And I think that, um, I think that awareness is something I'm really interested in around most topics. Um, And sometimes the only obstruction between where I am now and wh- how aware I would like to be is um, is discomfort. And so I think that a conversation like this is, you know, a little uncomfortable sometimes, but I'm happy to be navigating it with you and thank you for, for the opportunity. I think um, as far as questions I have about disability, I think one of the questions I asked you when you were on my podcast that I'm still, you know, interested in exploring more of is just that, I am a white cis gay man and um, I'm aware that there is not enough conversation around disability within the community and also just not enough. uh, I know that certain pride events are not um, as accessible as they should be. Um, I'm wondering like what are some really practical things I can do besides building awareness to sort of carry the torch of that? you know
1: what I mean? I mean, recognize that you can't carry the torch by yourself. Like, sure, sure we, sure, we we us queer disabled people aren't like Brian Feldudo is supposed to make sure that all the ableism <laughs> goes away. Like we don't we don't expect that, but we you know just maybe on your platforms talking about it more, having more disabled guests on like the Gay Life Coach podcast, on on like the stuff you do, talking about like when you do a music thing going into the studio and being like, hey what is the accessibility like in here? Because blah, blah, blah. Mm. Like, what if I want to invite m- my disabled friend or what if I want to fly Andrew in for like, like a duet? No, no, I'm kidding. But like, what if like, you it's know, I want... Yeah, but like, what if I want, you know, just just bringing, I think, topics of disability into your everyday life that aren't huge. Like, I'm going to build all these ramps and I'm going to change the whole city of, of New York and I'm going to do all the... Maybe it's not that, but maybe it's like having smaller conversations with people and putting disability into their into their field of vision that they may not have had before. So if you go to like Pride events to represent the queer community, you could say to like your friends that are also going like, hey, have you checked in on accessibility or do you know who I could speak to about access mm-hmm. or I could ask about this? Like just making a conscious effort of like looking into that stuff. And if it's not, if you see inaccessibility, like, gently going after them be like hey i noticed you don't have this like how how can we help you do that or like you know using your kind of star power as brian Faldudo and saying like hey maybe we should have a fundraiser to make sure that more pride events when it's safe to have pride again is you know, are accessible and like saying like hey i was a i'm i'm a quasi celebrity maybe i can use my voice to help with that just just being mindful and being aware that like inaccessibility is so prevalent in the queer community, I'm not saying that you have to change it, but just knowing that it is there is a great start.
0: Do you know why, if it's so prevalent, it's so there's such a there seems to be such a hesitancy towards change about that?
1: Oh, I have feelings. How many hours do we have to talk about this? Uh, like, yeah, I think there's a hesitancy because and this is like totally my own personal view, I think from a holdover from the AIDS epidemic, I think people, I think particularly queer men saw their friends get sick and it scared them a lot. And and they it, so the idea of anybody being ill reminds mm-hmm. them of that possibly. And also like there's privilege in being, in being a white, able-bodied, muscular gay dude. Um, there's a lot of privilege in that. And people that often are, are, they don't see their own privilege and they just, they're they're in echo chambers of their own friends or they like all the things gay men see on social media are like, they have to be like this. They don't see someone like me in my wheelchair also wanting to do the same things. They don't see that. So they're hesitant because it would force them to look at themselves and they're scared of that. And they're also scared of what it means to their, sex lives and their queerness if they were disabled and they're it's just not something they and also the whole other side of that it's something they've just never considered before
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense actually because i was recently talking with some friends actually about um the well the fear of we were talking about the fear of hiv aids and all the stigma around it and um and all the and all the things kind of used against the queer community over the years as like evidence or proof that we are indeed wrong. Right. Or like all the, all the sort of historical context. And then I also just know that as a minority group, um, there's a lot of, I think one of the reasons that a lot of queer folks jump instantly to I'm proud is because once you're out of the closet, you don't want to go through the, you know, tough grinding work of healing which is messy and ambiguous and you've already spent so many years being messy and ambiguous so you just want to hold your head up with pride right and so I think you're absolutely right that there's probably not a lot of looking inward that is necessary in order to to kind of notice what's around you and then and start building awareness and then also uh, yeah, I, I, there's a there's a there's a massive deflection there, I would say, um, just based off of what you said and kind of connecting some dots for myself.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, I, I love the queer community, but I also really hate it because they don't look inward and not just I'm not just talking about gay men. I'm talking about everybody, the whole community, the whole LGBTQ plus community has a whole bunch of ism problems including ableism, including racism, including transphobia, like all that stuff is there. And we so often pretend like if the, if the person is good looking or sexually viable, then it, none of that matters. And I think that like we have to start calling people not out on their ableism necessarily or other isms, but we have to find a way to like call them in and say, hey, you're still a cool person, but that thing you did, or that thing you said over there wasn't super cool. And how do we how can I share this with you without like putting you on blast or putting you like or like berating you on social media, but tell you that I care about you, with that thing you did really hurt. And so with mm-hmm. my kind of with my dealings within the queer community as a queer disabled man, I used to put people put people on blast and do this whole, like, yeah, you're the worst, like fuck you. And now it's kind of softened into like, I don't wanna lose all my friendships based on a mistake somebody made. I'd rather use my platform to guide somebody and teach somebody about why this hurt and why this was ableism, but you're still a good person, but let's work on this.
0: Right, no, totally. Because I think it's important to remember that everyone is just operating from their own level of awareness. Unfortunately, I think that's where a lot of issues arise, right, because people aren't necessarily looking to expand their awareness. So. And that's, I think, where a lot of the offenses happen. Um, And it can be really tempting to sort of just generalize and say that a lot of these problems are rampant because they feel that way. At the same time, though, I would love to acknowledge, and maybe I don't know if you agree, but I do think that there is a shift happening, especially with a generation younger than us, where there is a real question being asked, like, how authentically can I show up and 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 what limitations can i challenge um and i think it's because of the work of previous queer generations that that question is even being asked yeah. Unfortun- unfortunately i think some of the above queer generations are dealing with you know their own demons on top of like the battles they fought right so i think the new generation that's coming up and they're like they're really like making us think about like, what does it even mean to show up authentically? What does it even mean to actually accept and love ourselves? Um, I I get really fueled when I think about those those kids, you know, like the youth these days that are that are really challenging that.
1: Yeah, and I totally I think that the next generation is doing an amazing job. But I also think that the the next generation after us need like they're really they're really into social justice stuff right now, which is great and yeah, important. Yeah. But also, I think like. I think sometimes we have to take a step back and look at where the generations before us have come from and what they're like, you mentioned, you know, we're all dealing with our own demons. So rather than going on social media and putting everybody Mm, on blast for mm -hmm, being horrible, mm -hmm. horrible humans, like, which sometimes, believe me, it's really fun to do that sometimes, really fun, but it's also not necessarily productive because calling people out and immediately choosing to cancel them, I feel like doesn't give us a chance to build a bridge and doesn't give us a chance to, like, work together. And yeah, if they do something, like, horribly horrible, then for sure they're canceled. But if, like, they're just trying to learn and they're stumbling, why am I going to spend all this time, like, bashing them when I could actually be guiding them into a better direction? So I try to look at non-disabled queer people who have, who have said an ableist thing, who've done ableism, like, to me directly, and been like, oh, did you mean that? Or are you trying to, like, were you trying to be playful were you trying to like make a joke were you trying to like soften the mood were you trying to navigate disability with humor like what were you trying to do here and also do I want to educate you or do I do I feel the need to just end end this discussion so I'm trying to learn how to do that so instead of just cutting people out I'm giving them an avenue to learn and grow if they want to take it.
0: Well that's cool and massively insightful of you to be able to take a step back from whatever emotion you're experiencing when they do say something ableist is ableist the word able that's right yeah yeah uh, ableist whenever they do say um to be able to step back and kind of try and understand their intention that's that's mindfulness and that's awesome and then um but at the same time what a burden to have to feel as though you do or don't need to educate them, especially because very often whether or not they get educated from what you say is not up to you. It's up to how open their mind is, how open their ears are. So that's, that sounds, that sounds exhausting. (laughs) I mean,
1: I always say that it's never my responsibility to educate them. Never, ever. I can, I can roll away in my wheelchair and be like, fuck you. I'm not going to educate you today. Like you're a fucking ableist. Bye. If I wanted to, but I look at it like this. It's my opportunity. And if I can use my platform to change one person's worldview on disability by doing something that doesn't shame them, that doesn't make them feel less than, that doesn't like call them an ableist asshole and then roll away, but actually gives them a seed of something to learn from, that's that to me is powerful. And that, the more and more I do this work, the more and more I am wanting to do it that way because it makes me feel good. I leave... Those interactions feeling pleased as opposed to like oh my god you're fucking you're the worst like no 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 and so it feels better to to give them a little bit of education to use my knowledge as a disabled person to be like here's some education versus like here's me calling you an ableist bye like that yeah. doesn't you know
0: I don't know about you but I think that what we're doing now or even just story sharing you know I'm a songwriter and one of the ways I do that is through song and I know that you are very um you're very storytelling in the way you carry yourself on social media and I know other projects that you've done I think I think that one of the most powerful ways to create that awareness is just by living and displaying your truth after doing the tough internal work of of honoring that within yourself you know what I mean yeah, totally.
1: So, are you are you low key telling me you want to write a song about me? Is that what's happening here? Good. Oh my
0: god, I already did. No, just kidding. I did it.
1: <laughs> oh, you did? I was gonna be like, "Wow, okay, good." Uh, <laughs> it'll be a chart topper, and we'll win a bunch of Grammys, and it's fine.
0: Well, okay, count me in.
1: All right, good. Uh, so, I want to go back to the the questions that you might have. Did you have? So, did you have any assumptions about disability that you? like have had your whole life that you maybe haven't had anybody talk to you about. And don't, don't be afraid about feeling ableist and saying the wrong thing here. I'm, I designed this question. So you would say whatever it was you're feeling and you're in a safe space to feel, to say whatever you want to say. Cause I think it's important to draw that out and see, just see what your understanding of disability was or like thoughts you had about it so that we can help build a different narrative for you.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that permission. I, I mean, I think that I've always just had an understanding that it must be hard. Um, uh, I think some of the things that I think I I don't think I think about it as much as I should, which which produces feelings of shame and guilt inside me. And then I also I also have moments of gratitude when I when I see someone disabled because I. I think I start to compare and then I start to be grateful. I start to feel like it would be selfish of me to not be grateful for the fact that I'm not disabled and that I am able. Um, so that's a lot of like the, that's like what comes up for me first when I, when I think about, you know, a glimpse of a disabled person. There's also that discomfort. There's, there's, there's like the don't look, right? don't like let them know that you're looking right. Or there's like a, I'm just being compl- as honest as possible. Yeah. With, yeah.
1: No. And I want you to, this is great. This with is With what,
0: good. with what comes up for me in that moment. It's like, don't let them. And then there's the, but you don't want them to know that you're not looking. So it's like the, it's like this, <laughs> it's this mental trick, right. Where you're just spending so much time thinking about what they might be thinking about what you're thinking about them. And it's, it's honestly just mental gymnastics when it probably doesn't need to be
1: no i would say to that to go like to go to the end of your thought process there i would say please look at us look at us like it's okay to look at us like, yeah. we can see you on the street when you're when you're like trying not to look we can see you trying not to look so like it's okay to look at us like i for me personally as a wheelchair user and somebody with complex disability who is very visibly disabled. Like, when you see me on the street, you know I'm a disabled person for sure. No question in your mind that I'm a disabled person. But, like, I would say don't stare at me for 55 years when I'm going, <laughs> like, but just, you know, acknowledge me or, or, like, I'll have people on the street, like, give me a head nod. Like, that's, I prefer that over... Sometimes they'll do the like really sad face. Like, I'll smile at them and I'm all, I'm a, I'm a smiley guy. So I'll give a, I'll give a smile and they'll give me like this really somber, like, mm. oh, he's disabled face as they look back at me. And it's like, oh no, I'm smiling at you. Like, I'm happy. It's all right. So, like, I think, I think you should acknowledge us. You should look right at us and you should like smile or just look, give a glance and then keep going, keep going on with your day or like, you know, do that. And then, you know, put that image in your mind as opposed to like, oh my God, I'm not going to look. I can't look because I think it's almost more offensive not to look. It's like, why disabled people can be beautiful. They can be really attractive. Yeah. And I am I am super hot. So you should look at me. But, no, I'm kidding. but like, <laughs> oh, thank you. But, but, you know, like, you know, I think we should look at people because I think it's important for our, for ourselves to see different people in the world. And if we didn't look, it's yeah. like, if you didn't look, you'd be saying, I don't, I don't matter.
0: I think that, yeah, absolutely. I think that some of that avoidance of eye contact, if I'm trying to like really dive back into a present moment where yeah, I felt that. Dive is. I think that some of the narrative that goes on there with myself is I don't want to make them feel different by looking because I don't like, especially as a New Yorker, I don't, I don't very often look at people as I pass them on the street. So I think that when I was in New York, I looked at everybody on the street because they were all gorgeous. Well, of course, because you're a Canadian.
1: <laughs> I looked at everybody on the street and I was like, "Oh my God, you're all." I was there last last two 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 springs ago for a thing I had to do, and I remember being on the street and just I was there for a for like a gay event and we were like down in, in the gay village for a minute. And yeah. my mom and I and we both were like, oh my God, they're all so beautiful. <laughs> so
0: and I bet you no one glanced at you.
1: Not one person looked at me, but I looked at everyone. Well um, yeah,
0: we have to you have to be careful in New York. there are so many people here that honestly avoiding eye contact is just in your best interest to get a safety through the measure.
1: Day. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I would say like, I would say for me, if it were me down walking down the street, which is ironic because I don't walk anywhere, but if I, if I were going down the street, I would say, like, look at me. Please look at me. And, and like, I would say with any disabled person you see in the world, you, it's okay to look at them. Yeah. It's not okay to stare at them and to, like, make them feel super uncomfortable like they're an oddity. But to, I think just glancing at them is it's okay. Yeah. Whenever I mean, then what it did, yeah. Go then what it does in your brain is to, like, it normalizes that they exist.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When it, it, I'm just having a little chuckle moment because it reminds me of whenever I'm in a southern town and everyone is suddenly like smiling and saying hi as they pass me. I'm like, why? What? what the Why the hell is everyone talking to me? <laughs> and then I remember that not everyone has the New Yorker way about them.
1: Yeah, some people are kind. It's yes, <laughs> pretty much. It's good. Um, and so any other like assumptions about disability that i can help dispel for you right now
0: well i'd be curious what you thought about some of the other things that come up for me as far as the i don't think about it as much as i should or the um the gratitude that i expressed um i
1: would say i would say the gratitude part is that's a tricky one because when you first said that i was like because and you're not the you're not the first person on the show to have said that you're like people have said that before and i always come back to the same thing like I get why you're thankful. You're thankful for what you can do. Mm-hmm. But guess what? One day you're going to be disabled too. Yeah. You're going to be in the position that I'm in or you're going to be in a different position that I'm in but also have disabilities, whether that be through old age or just life happening or something happening. Or you might stumble on the hottest disabled person in the world and want to start a life with them. And then disability becomes a part of your experience. So I think be thankful for what your abilities are now And be and recognize that they could go away like that. And so I don't think it's I don't think you should look at anybody at anybody with disabilities with like a pity just because they're disabled. I think if you start hanging out with more disabled people, i.e. me when we start writing the song, but (laughs) when you start hanging out with more disabled people, like if they're going through a a tough time with their disabilities or something's bothering them, you can be present for that. And sharing the grief in the moment with that with them but looking at them out of like some sort of like oh I'm better off than they are that I don't think that serves anybody because then that puts you on a hierarchy that maybe you didn't mean to be but
0: you are yeah no I appreciate you bringing up the word pity because it is I think it is the opposite side of that coin of gratitude and I think when I mentioned the word comparing I was not I was avoiding that I was I think I was avoiding that word and I think that awareness is helpful so thank you.
1: But I mean to be fair uh, in, in my journey of being a disabled person I've done it too. I've seen people with intellectual disabilities and other disabilities in my life as I've grown up and I've I have thought well I'm better off than they are like at least I'm not like they are and you know that in itself was ableism so what that shows you is that even though I'm disabled and I do this work in the disability sphere I'm not immune from saying or feeling crappy, horrible things about other disabled people too. And so I don't think you feeling ashamed about that is helpful. I think I think yeah. you should use that feeling to move forward.
0: No, absolutely. And I think what's interesting about experience and everyone's experience of the world is that like, you know, I described that moment of comparison but just the way the mind works each individual's worst moment is their worst moment, no matter if it's comparatively worse or better than someone else's worst moment. It still lives within the context of their awareness. So the whole idea of pity or gratitude is kind of silly if you think about it, because I'm never going to quite enter your mind and I'm never going to actually know what it feels like to be in your situation or your experience of the world. And so for me to try and project that onto you is probably ridiculous, you know?
1: And I mean, the same with me, I'm never gonna be Brian Feltzudo. I'm never gonna be, you know. Yeah. I'm never gonna be the kid from from the child acting days. And <laughs> what, what, what show were you, what movie were you in again?
0: School of Rock.
1: That's right. Cause I and I did my research on you this morning, and you were an adorable kid, by
0: the way. Uh, Thank you. Am I not so, adorable
1: now? I mean, you are adorable now, definitely, but in a completely different way. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's just really nice, and I love sitting down with non-disabled people like yourself, particularly queer, disabled or queer non-disabled men, and asking this question. And I didn't write this down. This is one that I kind of that I've I have in my back pocket for all a the time. Shocker i know i know prepare yourself Flat so but, yeah the question that i usually ask non-disabled gay man is what do you think would happen to yourself if you became disabled tomorrow if you became a wheelchair user tomorrow how do you think your life would change
0: i think that that's both impossible to answer because i don't know i just genuinely don't know like i don't have any like any frame of reference of like how my life would change but if I were to enter the imagination of that yeah I think I think that I think that I would just it would <laughs> these are very life coachy answers but I feel like the first thing I would have to do in order to to continue on with my life and be con be content would be to feel my feelings about the change that's happened and you know and maybe grieve the loss that I feel that I've had and 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 move through those motions and then eventually just work on my mindset about my situation and um, which I think would probably be equally as difficult as currently working on my mindset about my current situation because as I said I think that mindset is subjective to your experience so I think that It would just be the same mindset work to like be comfortable with being disabled and like figuring that out and then but it would but it would but it would just look different if that makes sense. I
1: I can tell you one thing about the disabled experience that I think answers a little bit of your question. You never are 100% comfortable with being disabled at least in my experience. I've been disabled my whole life. It's literally second nature to me but even in this whole, this 37 years that I've lived on this planet, like, well, I'm old. Uh, I still don't feel 100% okay with being disabled. So I don't ever think that that goes away ever. I think it's something right. you get used to.
0: But when I refer to, m- yeah, yeah. When I refer to mindset work, I think though that what I'm saying is no one is ever 100% comfortable with being a human either. yeah. So I'm currently doing mindset work to like make myself as comfortable as possible being a human every day. Right. And I think that I would just need to change my mindset work in order to get through life in a different capacity. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think, I think you might have to change. You might just have to incorporate more disability stuff into your mindset, which I think you should do anyway, whether you're disabled or not, because guess what? Disability is yeah. coming for you. So uh, <laughs> you, you should incorporate that anyway. One of the things you do in your work that I was really, really curious to talk to you about, and I made a whole question about it. You kind of are on a quest for mindfulness and a lot of the stuff that you do. And mindfulness is a term that we've used a bunch here already today, plus a bunch of it, of it was in your on your website and in the stuff you do. So can you kind of describe for the audience, in case somebody doesn't know, what is, in your view, what is mindfulness? And then I want to talk about how we can incorporate mindfulness into disability.
0: Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that question because I do call myself a mindfulness coach, but I feel like especially in this, this day and age, the word mindfulness gets thrown around so often that it's like, what does it even mean? I think that the easiest way to explain mindfulness is And I do think it's broader than this, but it's being able to hold a problem in your hand and look at it rather than identifying with the problem. Um, And literally, quite literally, just being able to create some mindfulness and awareness around it, rather than just the problem overtaking your mind, which happens very often, whether it's a problem, a thought, joy, you can even create mindfulness around joy, you don't need to identify with the joy you're experiencing, you can you can hold the joy in your hand and understand that you're having a joyful moment and be separate from that and aware of it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think like how we can connect that to disability is you're allowed to identify what, like there's so many issues with disabilities and ableism and stuff that I get angry about. And I, at one point would get really mad and and like have all my feelings and throw them all down and there they are and, and blah, blah. How do you think I can use like mindfulness to when I'm dealing with somebody who's been ableist or when I'm dealing with somebody who said a horrible thing, like how do you think I can use that idea of identifying the problem to make it, to not just kind of throw the problem on the ground and say, here it is, but actually look at it.
0: Yeah. So if it's, if it's in that, if it's in that relational dialogue where someone's saying something to you, I think that, well, there's some, there's some basic mindfulness principles that can be applied there, such as don't take anything personally and, and, nothing else is coming to mind at the moment, but there's other things. But I think the first thing to do would be to write down what they said to you. And rather than just absorbing it and identifying it as your truth, look at it on paper. Is it is it true what they said? Or are you just thinking it's true because they said it to you? And at the moment you're vulnerable to what they said. Um, you know, I, more often than not, reality is kinder than the things we think about it. So I think that like we, this, we don't need to adapt things just because they're told to us. We don't need to take them personally. Really, it just has to do with how the other person is viewing the world. It has literally nothing to do with our actual truth in the world. I do have questions for you, though, about mindfulness and disability because you did email me and you did mention that you've had some thoughts about the role of mindfulness within disability. And I'm just so curious what those are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I think that Oh, my whole brain was like, I had all the thoughts and other god. gut. But I think that like, I think it's important for disabled people to, because you mentioned in your questionnaire that like, you should look at the problem. You should look at, you should hold the problem in your hand and not look, like focus on it. But I think sometimes as disabled people, it's important. So many of our discourse in the disability community has been to be like, don't worry, focus on all the things you can do. And what that kind of teaches us is that we're not allowed to look at the problem. Mm. We're not allowed to focus on the hard stuff. We're not allowed to like, look at what's really bugging us where we've been taught through so much discourse that we're supposed to like rise above and do better and be the strongest and fastest and most able-bodied disabled people that we can be. And like what had tends to happen for me anyway, is that I don't, when I do that, I don't get to look at what's really bugging me. So I, I, when you mentioned mindfulness hunger, I kind of read your description. I was like, well, what if we also like, What if we spent time talking about the problem and what bugs us? And so, a lot of my social media presence is like, let me tell you how this feels about this. I don't like how, like, let me tell you how disability feels today. And so, I think for me, mindfulness is like finding space for the problem to be, to be, to sit there. And even if it's not, even if it's not 100% the best feeling, at least, at least you're having it and it's okay to talk about the ableism and all the things you're experiencing as a disabled person
0: that is mindfulness yes everything you just said the the opposite reaction is the opposite of mindfulness that would be suppressing something and not paying attention to it I think that and then basically what you're doing is you're shoving that thing into your unconscious which you're then giving it power to 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 run your brain without you even knowing about it, and so yeah. it, it, it festers and it becomes stronger. Um, the things that we resist persist. So I think that yeah, you need to absolutely be like, this is hard. This is a hard moment that I'm having. This is a problem, and 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 know that that's something. Bring awareness to it, but then also know that you not you are not necessarily that problem. And just by the just the fact that you're able to bring awareness to the fact that you are having that problem proves that you are not the problem because otherwise you wouldn't be able to bring awareness to it. Does that, I know that sounds a little trippy, but does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it is a touch trippy, but yeah, it did make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because basically by being able to say, I have this problem, it's no longer you. That is the problem. It is, you know what I mean? It's the problem becomes something that you have. Do you know what I mean? So it's not, yep. it is not the entirety of you. And so I think I mentioned that in regards to disability. And of course I felt a lot of things about saying that because I am not disabled, but I'm curious, you said you've had some further thoughts around like not necessarily being your disability. And I'm curious what those are.
1: I was, I don't use the word triggered cause that's not what I was, but I was, I was interested when you said, you know, cause so many people have said to us, you're more than or have said to like the disabled community in there again within with the most loveliest of intentions yeah. they've been like but you're more than your disability and I always kind of like brussel up against that because for me it's like I get I totally get what you're saying but I also am like but it's so much a part of who I am that like even when I want to run away from it even when I want to like not focus on that part of myself it it informs 1,000% of what I do. Mm-hmm. So I have trouble when people say, you're so much more than your disability because for me, it's like, especially for me because I was born with it, it's like part of my DNA. It's like inside me because it is, It is. I don't know anything else. So so I'm. I don't know what an alternative to that is for like non-disabled people to say when they mean, like you can look at other aspects of yourself, but I don't think, a,
0: yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No,
1: no, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that I said that you are more than your person, your disability. I said that. Oh, maybe that. I meant it wrong. No, maybe you, I did. I pro- I, I'm still learning every day. So I maybe, but I think that it would be more truthful and perhaps more digestible for you to say that your disability is just not the entirety of who you are. Because um, I agree that it's, it's a huge portion of who you are um and probably does affect yeah I t- every moment of your day you know what i mean
1: i tend to say that it's like the best part of who i am yeah like that way it's still not wholly who i am but it is like it's a it, it's a major part of who i am and what i do in my day yeah. even when i have moments where i want to run away from it and not be like especially when i'm around other queer men i wish that i could just put it in my pocket and have it not be like a part of what I do because like I want to be just as like sex positive and just as like, you know, sexy and just as like out there as everyone else is. But then I, then I always feel like my disability is in the way. So there are moments where I wish I could just like hide from it, but I can't.
0: Yeah. And that makes total sense. I think that we're on the same page though, as far yeah, as like, we, we are. Yeah. And, um, I think you're one of the most sex-positive people I know.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I definitely have a lot to learn still, and it's something that I have to remember, like my own sense of privilege as a white, cis, disabled guy. It's like, there are other voices that should be speaking other than me sometimes. And so, like, it's journey. But I I always try to incorporate disability in queer spaces because there's just not enough of that right now. Yeah um but i I love this conversation because i think you know i love being able to like sit with you and learn stuff and and teach you stuff and like i'm curious oh no i kind of i kind of made that as as a question yeah my next question was was going to be what we just did already and the question was going to be you said (laughs) people can be more than their disabilities and so I think, yes, they can be more than their disabilities, but I think we need to find narratives for non-disabled people to to be able to say, to, instead of more than or less than, to say like, your disability is a part of you, no matter what.
0: I totally get that. I think that, I think that more than, less than are totally, are really comparative words and comparison is always a pitfall, I feel like. Um,
1: and I think okay. people do that all the time. Like they did like it's happened to me more than once where people with the kindest of intentions will say, Oh, but you're so much more than your diagnosis, or you're so much more than your disability. And it's like <laughs> and you're like well, it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> it's like, well, but thank you. But like no, or like I had somebody once who was doing a lecture. I went down and they were paying me all this money to do this this lecture. And I went down and I did it and I did a two hour like a s a two-hour lecture where I talked straight for two hours. And I wow. was just at the end and the president of the organization stands up and goes, Andrew, your thing was so great. And I just want to tell you that the more and more you talked the less and less I saw your wheelchair and I, they hadn't handed me the check yet. So I literally had to be like, mm-hmm, <laughs> great. Oh, thank you. And so like, I, I smiled and I, I thanked the guy and I took the money and I ran out of there and I thought about it afterwards. Like the poor guy was trying to be, he was trying to be so kind and he wasn't trying to hurt me. He was just trying to say, like, I see you and I value what you said. But I wish he had said, like, your disability is awesome. And thank you for showing me that. Right. Like,
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, it reminds me of as if someone were to say to me, such as like, the more and more you spoke, I forgot that you were gay. I would be like, I would be like, why was me being gay a problem? Um, so I totally get that reaction, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, like, I just, I just think, I think in your mindfulness, like, work, like, I think that, because you might work with people who have invisible disabilities that you don't even know. So I think always finding a way to not always bring it back to disability, but make space for them to say, like, I have this thing, Brian, you're, you're my gay life coach. What do you think about this? And you can say, well, it could be this or like. I think that this is a part of you and that way if they have an invisible they have like an invisible disability or a disability that they haven't like outrightly disclosed to you you've still made space for them to do that
0: right yeah and i mean the fun part about well the fun slash tricky part about coaching that that um that really doesn't translate to me doing like conversations like this where i'm trying to promote my coaching is that coaching is very very little about me or how i feel about what you've shared or it's it's completely about you and creating space for you and guiding your mind in a way that feels safe and feels as though you're getting towards the answers you're looking for um and so and so yeah because it's tricky because i do things like this where i where i want to talk about the work that i'm passionate about which is mindfulness and in order to do that and to sound interesting i have to have opinions right and like and whatnot and and I do, and I'm happy to share where I'm at in the work. But um, but coaching is again, it's just this own little thing I do where I get to I get to help people see themselves. It's less about how I see them, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and we'll get to you. I want you to be able to plug all your stuff in just a minute. But I have one last question for you. Yeah. Um, so because you have said a couple times this interview and when we started kind of planning the interview and we when we talked on your show, you made very clear that you're like a white, cis, able-bodied gay man. So what do you think your white, cis, able-bodied privilege looks like? Like, what do you think your privileges are as a, particularly in, in relation to like being disabled and being non-disabled? What do you think your privileges are as a, as a white, able-bodied, cis, gay man
0: i feel like this is a trick question um it's so
1: not it's just getting you to like name what your privileges are and then see how we can work to include disability within them
0: yeah yeah. well i think i have a, a a crazy amount of privilege and and um but you're asking in relation to disability i think that i don't have to deal with as much exhaustion fatigue and inconvenience um and that I probably take for granted some really easy tasks, um, uh, and I think I, I would go so far as to say that I don't have to plan ahead as much, which um, which which takes up time and it takes up mental fatigue and it takes up, um, uh, yeah, I mean and. I think that I don't have to think about it as much, which also, well, I, I, I should think about it as much, but I think that part of my privilege is that I probably don't think about it as much as I should. Um,
1: and, you know, you mentioned that a couple of times in the, in the show too, that you don't think about it as much. Do you like, is there a reason why you don't think you think about it as much? Like is.
0: Well, I think that's just human. Hum, I don't think that many humans think that much about things that are.
1: They don't, that aren't right in their field of vision. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're all living inside our own heads, right? So I'm just thinking about my current biggest problem or the thing in front of me or the thing that I'm worried about in the past that happened or the thing that I'm worried about in the future that might happen. And it's like, um, occasionally I, and I, I like to think maybe more than some people, but I like, I, I try and pause and I try and learn and I try and draw awareness and I try and get present and get relational. Um, but me, I you know I'm a human and my my brain just is constantly it's it's consumed by itself I think that's what happens
1: yeah yeah so you know you mentioned that you don't have to deal with as much fatigue you don't have to deal with as much like time stuff and I would agree with that because like so much of my day is based around someone else's time like I have somebody yeah. who I have people that come in and take care of me and do stuff for me and with me that takes up so much of my day like I have in the hour that you and i've been talking that's like my that's like one of the three hours of the day where i have no one in here where i can like be alone so like
0: it's really honored that you shared it with me
1: i mean well of course you're a cutie i had to say yes to having you. <laughs> but no but like it's so um rare that we that disabled people get to be alone and like you know it's it's Thinking about like the fatigue and the tiredness, like for me to get up in the day takes sometimes two hours in the morning to get up. Like once mm-hmm. all my subs done, showering, getting up, and like changing in the bathroom and all those things. And so like you, if you, when you get up, I'm assuming it takes like you know forty five minutes. <laughs> I mean, depends on the day. Although honestly, you're, but... a man, so you're a gay man, you're a gay man, so it could take it could take like two hours. Who knows. <laughs>
0: Uh, no but I totally I yes uh, we can joke about it but I do think that it is it is comparatively easier for me yeah
1: and then like you know you talked about this stuff that you don't think about like like you know what did you say like just like getting going out and getting around and
0: like I think yeah I plan- planning it because I I'm a pl- I am a planner and I'm constantly like when will I have time to do this and when will I have time to do that and how will I get here and how will I be on time and it's Um, I'm a very type A personality in that way. And I just imagine, I just imagine I would be a lot more, uh, that would be a much more consuming activity if I had to account for, you know, different transportational needs or different um, just things that would prevent me from being on the go as much as I currently am, you know? So I think, um, yeah, that would be difficult.
1: And I mean, it might also, like, I don't know, I don't know, as a singer-songwriter, I don't know if you do much of your, your like work in your home studio or if you go to studios. I actually it, do
0: all of my songwriting while hiking, so that would oh, put a real damper on my songwriting. Nice,
1: down. yeah. I mean, I, you couldn't, you couldn't really. I mean, I mean, you could. No, you couldn't. Not if you were not if you were a wheelchair user. You definitely couldn't.
0: Yeah, that would. Yeah, uh, I, just to let people know, and that might sound a little weird, but um, I I go for like five hour hikes, and that's how I do my songwriting. I bring a notepad with me, and basically this the science behind that is that the mind is laden with thoughts you know and so by hour three or hour four of the hike you've probably dismissed a lot of those thoughts from your brain you've stressed them out by like you've you've de-stressed them out by hiking and so you get you get and you're surrounded by nature and you get to like a really creative pure place and it's really nice
1: you probably write a lot more songs about like a lot of angry songs about inaccessibility is probably what would happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and honestly, that's what music's for. I mean, when I was in the thick of my narratives of, you know, my first breakup and, and I was really identifying with that problem and I was like, oh, no one loves me. I'm never going to find anyone, blah, 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 blah. Music helped me express that. Right. So music can be that thing that lets you out of that tough spot. Yeah.
1: And we need more songs about, uh, disabled life so if anybody who is disabled wants to write a song with brian um
0: absolutely i mean
1: brian and i are writing our first single apparently right after this so
0: yeah i'll take up hours two and three of your your alone time and we'll write a song
1: yeah we'll just write a song um (laughs) how do you think you can use your privileges as an able-bodied person to uplift or help help disabled people in your life or how do you think Let me change the question. How do you think this conversation will change the way you view disability going forward?
0: I really think people shouldn't underestimate the power of awareness. Um, And I say that just because I've actually been telling myself that a lot lately. I do inner work all week long. I self-coach, you know, so that I can be what I need to be in my career, right? Um, And that can be very, like, you discover things about yourself and you're like... Oh, I want to. And now I want to change that, right? And you get locked into this this very proactive stance on it, which can be actually the the wrong thing to do when when awareness has been drawn to something. Sometimes, sometimes the awareness is enough, and then it kind of just works its way into your life, right? Um, yeah. I think that if there are ways that I can actively help that I will that I've been asked about, such as the ways you've asked me to, I think I will happily get on those but I also think that there's a lot of power probably in just me gaining more knowledge about things I didn't have knowledge about and then just incorporating that into wh- how I carry myself in the world which is something that naturally happens with awareness um does that make sense and I don't I, I said that not to sound like lazy like I'm as if I'm not no
1: no, no but I think I think it's it's true in that like sometimes you don't have to do this big obtuse like act to show you've learned something particularly around disability. It's in, it's in the language you use. It's in the, the way you learn the way you're willing to learn about things that you may not understand. I think that's, what's really cool about disability
0: discourse is that,
1: yeah, the big gestures are nice and that's really cool when somebody you really respect does a cool big thing, like, buys imagine, you all, yeah, like
0: but imagine if we all actually learned and actually like, changed like from an awareness level you know
1: yeah like it would be really cool if you went and used your brian feldudo name to like build me a ramp or something but it's even cooler if you like were like oh i learned something today and it changed my viewpoint like that's more important to me as a disabled person to make you an ally versus like oh he built me a ramp and now he is like the king of accessibility because he made me a ramp
0: Right. It's kind of like the, the whole, the reason a lot of like diet plans don't work. You wake up and you're like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make all these changes because I want to change this about my diet and I want to blah, 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 blah. But what if you actually brought awareness to like the reason you're eating certain things, the, the, the understanding of how certain foods work and like what actually makes you feel better and like what actually like leads to weight loss, you know, like what if you actually like, like took the time to like expand your mind rather than just like, like commanding yourself to make a change, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I guess, I guess for you, like, for Brian I'll do though. I had to do it one more time. It's too fun. I like that. I, 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 I like your name now. And I'm gonna say it. I'm, I'm gonna say it like a bunch more Ciao. times.
0: Ciao moto bene.
1: Oh yay! <laughs> I love the Italian. I'm so bad at it, and I cannot, I cannot respond in kind, but it's very nice. Um, um, I took French for years, so I know how to oh. do that. Okay. Uh, right uh, right. I can say, je m'appelle Andre, okay. et je t'aime. Um, I just, je tam tam e- I just said my name's. I just said my name's Andre, and I love you. Um, oh my God, Thank you so much. I love you
0: too.
1: Uh, but <laughs> but no, I think like I think like this conversation around around mindfulness and disability. And then like giving you, I hope that this conversation is giving you like nuggets to gnaw on a little bit around disability that again, won't change you overnight, but will give you stuff to think about.
0: No, absolutely. And I'm so appreciative of you for allowing me to be here to learn today and to to share and to meet each other where we're both at and and build awareness together. I think it's a cool thing. I wish more people could talk like this.
1: Well, they can if they want to come on this podcast, Disability After Dark. I do this all the time. So, yeah, they can. But now is the time for you to plug all the things you're doing and all the ways you do mindfulness and all the the projects you're working on. So, Brian Feldu, though, how do people uh, get a hold of you? How do they follow you? How do they be a part of your world?
0: Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, which is probably the easiest place to find me, though I did recently venture onto the TikTok and I'm already hating it. Um, oh, well. <laughs> uh, so I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I'm Brian Falduda, which is my name, or you could follow the Gay Life Coach, the Gay Life Coaches purely a coaching account and the other one is a little bit more all-inclusive um I have music out Spotify I have a new music video which won an award this year on YouTube called God cool it's called God loves me too um it's a song about LGBTQ my my journey growing up as a gay man in church um and then Coaching is kind of where it's at these days, especially in the pandemic when entertainment things are slow. I launched a bunch of new coaching initiatives. If you're on Facebook, you can go join The Gay Men's Mindfulness Collective um, it's basically a place where you can find resources to learn about all the things we're talking about. And then through that, there's a bunch of programming that I'm launching. The first of which is called the gay men's self-help book club, which is, I'm so excited about. We just finished our first book. We're moving on to our second one. It's a book club essentially, but it's a group of, uh, 10 gay guys. And we take the curriculum of the self-help genre, which is both wonderful and also sometimes a little bit the worst. worst. And we we find the happy medium and we also view it from a queer lens as a group, which I think is important. There's a lot of self-help out there that doesn't really even mention our community. And um, it's a great place to have mindful conversations with like-minded gay men. Um, And yeah, it's something I'm really excited about. We just finished the first group, uh, first book and it was a really heartwarming experience.
1: And which one did you read? Which was your first book you read?
0: Of course we started with The Velvet Rage, which is like the gay men's Bible. It and, is
1: uh, like the gay men's Bible. That is correct.
0: And then the second book we're reading is called The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. And then the third book we're reading will be called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on
1: that. Uh, you can be queer. yes, you are.
0: Um, by Mark Manson. Um, and we're gonna just keep tackling books. Um again, it just uh, so much of the knowledge I know is from self-help books, but, you know, there can be such a, there can be a temptation to kind of like take them in their entirety, which I don't think needs to. I think it's, it's very much like a, they're, they're it's helpful to tackle them with a coach, with a group and um, yeah, come join us.
1: That sounds awesome. And how do people join you there?
0: Just, uh, I would just say, just to make it easier, just everyone find me on Instagram and you can just, I respond to everyone. So just message me if you're interested in joining um, and I'll, I'll make sure you get the info.
1: Sure. We should do one about, we should find, we should do one at some point when it gets bigger or when you have more time. We should do one that's like about the ableism in those books and see where like how disability overlays.
0: 100% we should. Yes.
1: That would be so fun. I'm I'm totally down for that. But Brian Faldudo, this has been an interview with you on disability after dark. Uh, this was so fun to sit down with you and really fun to like get you to think about disability as a non-disabled person and thank you for being so vulnerable. I know that like me being like, hey, want to talk about disability? Even though you might have not have an idea about it, it's kind of scary. So I appreciate that you took the time. I know some people are like, oh wow, I feel scared when Andrew's asking all these hard-hitting questions about disability. But I hope you enjoyed yourself and it was such a pleasure to talk to you
0: i thought it was so enjoyable and i'm walking away um i'm walking away with a lot to gnaw on as you said so thank you and thank you everyone for letting me be here thank you
1: well at least one of us is walking away because one of us can't
0: oh oh, oh, oh my goodness <laughs> disability humor yeah i did it all right <laughs>
1: Brian Faldudo, thank you so much and we'll talk to you soon bye bye Alright, that was another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories, a part of the Wheels in the Ground Network. I am really, really happy you came to this one. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.drewgerza.com and you can follow me on all my socials at, at Drew Gerza. So Instagram and Twitter at Drew Gerza. You can also follow the podcast at Pod on Twitter. Remember, if you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit about why you want to be on the show, and we'd love to have you. The show is, again, no longer just a sex and disability podcast. We want to talk to you about everything. So drop us a line. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month or more to keep a bright light shining on these stories. I'm your host, Drew Gerza, your disabled daddy. Thank you so much for listening to this Wheels on the Ground production, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye! Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021.